0: I just wanted to see, it's. there's one, two, three, four, five. Six. he tweeted me seven times in a row in about a three hour span.
1: <laughs> like a score like index seven, girlfriend.
0: Yeah, and like I said, they're all spread out, and I didn't say anything to any of these. Like, it's just like three hours ago, one hour ago, one hour, one hour, one hour, 40 minutes, 37 minutes, 16 minutes, and I didn't reply to any of it, he just kept tweeting at me. <laughs> and then and then he'll go back and delete them later. <laughs>
1: Like he gets drunk, and you're his—you're his his like guilty drunk text pleasure.
0: That's 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 why I screenshotted it because the last time when he was really when he was really funny, drunk tweeting me or whatever, he deleted it like the next day, and I was real disappointed.
1: (laughs) Hello and welcome to the 2019 inaugural kind of season 3 podcast of Keep Sounding. This is Brian, joined by our regular contributor John and a special guest in Billy Marshall, our resident draft guru and film specialist. Uh Billy, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for
2: having me on.
1: Oh, yeah, you'll be on plenty. Don't worry. And I'm sure John's <laughs> doing fine, but I'm not going to bother to ask him. Um,
0: you'll be back if you do a good job tonight. No pressure. Uh, well, hopefully there's no crazy initiation I have to go through here.
1: Oh, don't worry. There's there's a lot, a lot of initiation here. Um. So, yeah, we haven't really been on for a bit. Took a little bit of a hiatus after the. Uh, train wreck of the end of the 2018 season, when the Panthers lost several games and knocked themselves out of the playoffs. That was that was fun. That was a fun thing to go through. Um, but now we're here talking about free agency, the NFL draft, the 2019 season, where this is the time where everything's great because every team starts out zero and zero. Every team could potentially draft the next Hall of Famer. So here we are, and the big the we big have, oh. news. We do have hope. This is the best time of the year because we always have hope. There is hope abound on this one. Um so the Panthers let's start this off with the biggest news of the week. The Panthers re-signed Eric Reed to a 3-year deal totaling about 22 million or so going to end up being about 7 7.7 million a year plus incentives. Uh, so yeah, the Panthers found their starting strong safety. Since Billy is our newest guest, well, tell us what you think about that signing.
2: Yeah, it's. I think on the surface, a lot of people got a little up in arms about the length of the deal and uh, the total value of it. But I, I'm, I'm usually cautioning against that because usually the, the full structure of the contract comes out about 24 to 48 hours later. And looking now, it looks like it's essentially like a $1. Year like eight million, eight nine million dollar deal, which seems like it's a pretty low risk, um, you know, for the team. And uh, at the same time, if Reed proves himself to be a um, reliable safety in the back end, then he has more incentives to raise his game.
1: Wow, a a calculated, measured take of Eric Reed. I haven't seen a lot of those this week. Yeah, I mean, he he was.
2: was I think there's a lot of like misconceptions like going around right now because like I know I don't like giving this guy credence, but there was someone on like Fox Sports, you know, claiming that Reed was like an overpay and all this stuff. But like looking at his even those metrics on Pro Football Focus, it's not like terrible. Um, you know, I think safety play in general in the league last year was relatively like like really good. Uh, he had a lot of above average safeties who graded pretty highly, and and Reed was um, about me above average average area so uh which makes sense like he doesn't really play like a flashy position like he doesn't um you know get a lot of make a lot of game-changing plays like interceptions or force fumbles like you know some of the other safeties the league do uh but at the same time i think he has proven to be a pretty reliable guy and if they're going to be transitioning into a new defense or implementing new schemes on defense i should say uh, i think he makes a lot of sense.
1: Before I get to John's take on it, I just want to point out that PFF had Eric Reed graded as the highest graded Panthers secondary player in 2018. But you know he's bad; he doesn't deserve that kind of money. <laughs> um, so, John, uh, what do you think of this re-signing? Are you uh, uh, are you most... kneeling in defiance of it?
0: Okay, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like to I mean, basically what Billy said getting up in arms and making a big deal about the, the contract when it's just, when you just get the years and total value is not, not very savvy of like how NFL contracts work. Cause they're all basically shams. Like his less than half of his contract is guaranteed. So it's really a three year, like Billy says, like a three year, one year, two year, $10 million deal. And if he sucks, he's gone. And it's, we don't have like a big commitment to him. And we know he works here it's like the better the the beast you know because even if he's not the best safety in the league we know he's not terrible and we've seen what happens with other safeties we try to sign that aren't we don't think will be terrible like Thomas Tacko <laughs> who comes in and is also is very terrible so i think it's a good move
1: it's also good that he's not like you know 75 and a half years old as a safety It's always good yeah he's under uh,
0: under age 35 like that's a that's a start My biggest thing.
1: Okay, sorry. Go ahead, Billy. I was just gonna say. My biggest thing was that. Jesus Christ. Um... (laughs) Brian, let the let the guest. Yeah, Billy, go ahead. No, No, it's all good. It's all good. It's all
2: good. No, no, no. Yeah, go ahead. I I swear, I won't. I won't talk over you.
1: No, you're fine. (laughs) Go talk.
2: Well, no. So, like, nobody's. So, as you recall, last year Reed made a lot of like important tackles, like. Some of them touchdown-saving tackles, but also his run stop percentage. I'm looking this up now, and that those are like like run stop percentage. Uh, those are tackles that usually constitute a loss for the offense. That's how uh, PFF defines it. And he was in the top half in the league in that regard, higher than guys like Derwin James, Harrison Smith, um, T.J. McDonald, and uh, Eric Weddle, like guys who you consider like to be top, of, or even Teron Matthew too, guys who you consider to be like best safeties in the league. So like it's not like he sucks like he obviously does some things like really well and i think that's pretty valuable.
1: I agree. One other
0: thing he was playing with a like a limp shoulder for a good like the last half of the season he was here. So and you get that made a very obvious impact on some of his tackles like you could see where he was just not able to wrap up with his left arm for a while. And so that that, that he's not a very sound tackler by any means but that definitely didn't help. It needs to be considered.
1: And what Billy said kind of leads into something I wanted to make a point of before we move on. Um, so a lot of people are taking what he's making money-wise and comparing him to other safeties in the league, and they're kind of like just looking at the average salary. But a lot of the names that Billy named were either on rookie contracts or they're actually making more this season. Like a good example, Eric Weddle making $8.6 million. He's like, what, 45 years old? You know? <laughs> There's uh, guys like Eric Berry, guys like Harrison Smith, where they're making like three to four million extra this year. Where it's, there's more to it than just what you're paying them from a year to year basis and like a average part of it. Like what I've been, what I was arguing on, on Cat Scratch Reader was that you got to look at this contract in the context of that safety value is going to go up because this is free agency and players who, players just get paid. They they make a lot more money than they sometimes they should, but that's just the way the free market works. You let a guy get out into the open in the open market. Teams throw out their offers, it pushes up other offers, and eventually another team one team makes the offer that breaks the bank, but it's usually higher. And Panthers fans are mad because he's making like 7.7 million per year, but we're going to see contracts out there for like probably around 9 to 10 million year to year for a lot of these guys who are taking free agency just because that's how free agency works. Mm-hmm. You have to pay top dollar for these guys.
0: And also there's the, uh, the whole thing where the cap goes up every single year. So there's naturally what that is going to be inflation in the contracts. Like we see with the quarterbacks every time, like every, the, the next quarterback to sign a new contract is always the highest paid quarterback of all time because of the, you know, They're always they're taking up roughly the same amount of cap as like previous like free agent signings. It's just the cap's higher, so the values of the contract in a vacuum is higher. It like of of course, Eric Reed getting in twenty nineteen. Eric Reed's contract is going to be bigger than a contract another safety, a comparable safety signed in twenty sixteen. That's just how it works.
2: So I'm not trying to troll here, but like uh, the Falcons, their first round pick. From 2016, uh, their safety, Keanu Neal. He's up for an extension this year. And I, I, you know, Atlanta does a really good job of taking care of their own players, like, you know, usually, like, when they're up for extension. So I assume he'll get one. And, like, let's say he gets, like, 9 to $10 million, like, per year, like, on an annual basis. It's guaranteed money, like, goes, like, two to two and a half years. Like, are we sure, like, he's that much better than Eric Reed? Like, obviously, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. I just, I'm a little, you know, confused, like, why people think like um, you know Reed doesn't is like a replacement level player. Yeah, I don't know what because
1: kneel. he kneeled. Damn it. Oh, excuse because me. Well, <laughs>
2: uh, well, yeah, that's true. That's certainly a good point. <laughs> but uh, I mean, even then, like um, I, I think the Panthers like they were kind of like cognizant of the fact that maybe like Reed did have a market outside of Carolina. Um, I know some people were s- skeptical, but I think. Uh, it was last year where there were like a bunch of safeties who didn't get signed for like weeks, like Trey Boston. He didn't get signed until like training camp. Uh, Kenny Vaccaro, he didn't get signed until like, you know, week one or something. So I think this is probably like the safety market just correcting itself after, you know, uh, some pretty poor uh, contracts uh, f- for them in, uh, in 2018.
0: I also think uh, the other thing I think the Eric Reed was the reason for the safety market last year. Like nobody wanted to be the team to sign Eric Reed because you know all the the off the field stuff, and then nobody wanted to be the team that gave like with it suffered the PR hit that came with signing a lesser safety when Eric Reed was sitting on the market. Like you know how every time a team signs a bad backup quarterback, and everybody's like, oh. They signed, they signed Nathan Peterman, but Colin Kaepernick's still out there. And they, I don't think teams wanted to be like, oh, they signed this replacement level safety mm-hmm. when Eric Reed's out there. See, the NFL's colluding. So they, so they're just like, uh, no, it's just we just don't want a safety. We're just fine at safety. Everybody in the league is fine at safety. Yeah. I think it another is. good thing
1: to look at, too, is just that Tyran Matthew, coming off of a major injury, got $7 million in the free agent market. So I imagine that had a lot to do with how the negotiations went for safeties because they were like, well, this yeah. guy, you know, yeah. May not ever play at the level he played at again, but he got seven million. So what am I going to get? And obviously, you know, like Trey Boston, probably not worth that. But you know, go ahead, Billy. What were you going to say? Well, no, no, you you did a good job making that
2: point. I mean, Trey Boston. To be fair to him, in two thousand seventeen, he came off like a really productive year for the Chargers. I think he had like seven or eight interceptions. Um, but, but still, I think that Reed was certainly like the cream of the crop as far as. Uh, free agents go and what's his name the guy uh, Kirk Coleman like two days after he was released he signed with the Saints uh, which I just found a little odd because like they already have like an influx an influx of safeties on their team it didn't really help them this year that much either yeah like it wouldn't shock me I know Thomas Davis like alluded to the fact that he might play for the Falcons but like I said this as soon as like he came out with that video. It like, it wouldn't shock me at all if he goes to New Orleans because Tom uh, Payton loves like former uh, Panther players. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, he does. He is a huge fan.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment.
1: That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I
0: didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so
1: many more doors. The show is
0: called The The Deal.
1: Deal.
0: Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
1: So, (laughs) obviously, we talked a bit about Eric Reed. That was a huge need for the Panthers. They needed safeties. I mean, they're, they're starting safeties... Before this signing were Denores Searcy, aka the walking talking concussion, and Rashawn Golden, who really didn't prove to be worth anything in his rookie year. So that was a big need they addressed. And obviously I will go on, I will go out there and say I felt that the Panthers' biggest need going into the draft was gonna be safety. They addressed it somewhat so far, so I'd be I I still think they might spend a higher draft pick on safeties. But looking at the draft now. Let's just let's just uh you know wipe away free agency for a bit because we don't know how it's gonna happen with the defensive end and offensive tackle market. Um mm-hmm. looking at the draft, what do we think is the biggest the biggest priority as far as like what the Panthers should address? I know we spent all of last week going over that. Billy, I know you weren't really a part of that, so give us your opinion on that.
2: Uh, well for me I think it goes in two different directions. Obviously, um we have to see how they the roster in free agency uh, But for right now, if the draft were tomorrow, I would say that offensive line is innate, specifically um, left guard and center. Uh, and the reason I say that is because I, you know, I wrote it in my uh, scouting report today that I published on uh, Jonah Williams, is that when Cam has like a clean interior pocket, like he's so much more effective because like, you know, despite what people want to think of him, like he does do a really good job of navigating and stepping up in the pocket. Like, maybe it's not like Brady or Peyton Manning or Breeze, but it's, you know, definitely like top of the league. And so, you saw in 2015 when he had Norwell, Khalil, who was playing at an all-pro level, and obviously Trey Turner, and they had freaking Mike Frammers and Michael Orr, their tackles, like, yeah, like it blew up in their face in the Super Bowl, but not going to play von miller every week but at the same time uh, you just look at it look at the uh talent that they faced leading up to that game um you know they faced the cardinals with Calais campbell and um you know their interior and i would say for the most part that those three guys specifically uh norwell khalil and turner help up for like the majority of the season and so that really helped cam in my opinion um Become like a lethal passer, and I think if he has like a clean interior, like the offense can go up another level.
1: I'd agree there. Um, <laughs> I think that that Van Roten is a high level backup for sure, and possibly a starter. But they could definitely upgrade at the left guard position. Obviously, center is a problem. Um, John, what are your thoughts? Um.
0: Yeah, I I think it's kind of a tie right now between the offensive line and defensive end, um, because both were major problems last year. And I like I could be convinced either way into one. Like you need to protect Cam, especially coming off his injury, and also um, our defense is always going to be terrible if our pass rush is as anemic as it was last year, and it's we're only getting older on that front. So like, there's not like I know there's Marquise Haynes we took last year, but I don't know what his you know, I mean, he's a, what was a fifth round pick? Like, I don't know what his long term potential is. And I know everybody loves F.A. Obata, but he's a long way from being a consistent contributor. And if Mario Addison and if that combination and plus Mario Addison are starting defensive ends next year, uh, we'll have some, some problems.
1: I would agree there. I think you're both right in a sense. And obviously, one thing we haven't discussed and one thing I really don't want to discuss is Matt Kilo's contract, but <laughs> you're, you're, uh, you're banking on a lot here with Matt Khalil being healthy enough to play left tackle for the Panthers. Cause obviously right now it seems like they're probably going to let Daryl Williams walk because he's going to have a market regardless of his injury and free agency. I mean, you got teams out there who have like a hundred million cap space. They might take a chance on him. So now you have Taylor Moten and maybe Matt Khalil as your left tackle. So that's definitely a need for sure on the offensive tackle side. And obviously, the left side of the line fell apart once it was, you know, Frank Clark, and, or excuse me, Chris Clark, and uh, Kyle Van Roten, and Ryan Khalil and his, on the last bit of, or Greg Van Roten, sorry, and uh, Ryan Khalil on the last legs of his career at center. So that's, that's definitely a problem. But as far as the front seven goes too, I mean, this team is really defined by, the front seven pass rush, the front seven stopping the run. So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a difficult situation to be in. And looking at free agency, which, will let's jump into that. Um, the defensive end market seems to be pretty good, but there's also a lot of doubt as far as what guys are going to make it to March and be free agents. So, Billy, why don't you give me your rundown on who you think the Panthers could potentially go after in free agency at defensive ends. since you think that offensive tackle is the biggest need in the draft?
2: Well, uh, a couple things uh, to add to that. And uh, what when I was so what i what I've been doing the past couple weeks, and I'm going to continue doing um, maybe for another week or so is because Rivera has taken in you know control of the defense in some respects, and he's going to be calling it. I went back to 2010 to see. You know how he was calling games for the Chargers, and and even to just check to see if those same principles and schematic, um, you know, pl- you know, movements are going to be similar to what he did when he was in charge of the defense for like the three or four final games here. And you know, he's been doing some radio interviews and some other interviews with like the team media, and you know, he's suggesting that they're going to be multiple running odd and even fronts, which means three four and four three. I know people have been suggesting that. And what I noticed was he does blitz quite a bit. Uh, he does uses a lot of overload blitzes, and yeah, you know, that that was interesting to me because, like, you know, his best edge rushers in two thousand and ten with the Chargers were someone like Antoine Applewhite, who played here for like a season or two, and I forget the other guy's name, um, Sean but, Williams
1: or Sean Phillips. Sorry,
2: yeah, it, yeah, Sean Phillips was one, but there was another guy named Antoine as well. I uh, forget the. Last name, but anyway, like my point is, like he did it with lesser pass rushers, uh, but he did a lot of like disguise and overload blitzes, uh, which means that you know he would you know have like two linebackers, you know, head up on a center, and then both of them would drop, and then they would bring like a nickel corner, uh, you know, blitzing from the end. it's just a confused defense, and so I'm thinking that uh, I'm not saying they are going to pass like an edge rusher altogether, like a couple guys that pique my interest right now are Preston Smith. Um you know I've liked him coming out of the draft in 2015. Uh, he he's played uh, the past 4 years in Washington. Uh if they want to you know take a look at him I think he'll be probably commanding somewhere in the 7-8 million dollar range. Um uh-huh. you know Carolina certainly is a cap space for that. I mean the, the top guys I don't I just don't think they're going to afford. I I think they got to re-sign ultimately guys like Frank Clark and uh, DeMarcus Lawrence. So I don't really see them hitting the market. Uh, but I mean a guy like Preston Smith would make a lot of sense um, but again you're competing with other teams who have far more cap space too so um, right. yeah so and I, that's why I, I'm just not sure if they're going to be able to find that difference making edge rusher in, the, in free agency um, I think you're just going to have to find like low level like guys who probably have the same talent as maybe younger guys obviously like like a Wes Horton type or Mario Addison type um, that, I mean, I don't really know. I haven't really said the free agent market too much for the ed rushers, but I think that's the direction they might have to go in. And I mean, the good news is this draft is pretty deep with rushers, so they should be able to get a good one. Like in the second round, hopefully it doesn't that they find a guy who can actually contribute though. Cause they drafted that guy from Texas A&M a couple of years ago and he's already off the team. <laughs>
0: Much, Deshaun Hall. much to yep. the dismay of many, many people, but is yeah, he even
2: in the league anymore?
0: He was. I saw him make a, a special teams tackle for the Eagles in the playoffs. Um, he plays for the Eagles. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, he's moving up in the world. Um, <laughs> on September 1st, he was waived by the Panthers. Uh, he was signed to the 49ers practice squad, and a week later, uh, he was signed to the Texans off of the. For an ice practice squad later that month, and then was waived a month later, and then the Eagles signed him in December. So we 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 really we really missed the boat on that one. I mean, maybe we will eventually, but uh.
2: Well, I remember that draft because I wanted an edge rusher really badly, and like a couple picks before we selected the guy I really wanted, Derek Rivers, who also has kind of been anonymous in his career. I think he was drafted by the Patriots, and yeah. That- I think that forced Carolina to just reach for a edge sure rusher they shouldn't be reaching for
0: They next amount. They played across from miles Garrett, you know, yeah, no. Good.
2: <laughs> dude, no, I, I saw so many takes about how like this guy was like actually creating like more opportunities for miles Garrett. Yeah, like, exactly.
0: Some, miles Garrett wouldn't be that good if it weren't for Deshaun Hall.
2: <laughs> yeah, Exactly.
0: <laughs> that,
2: I mean, right? Deshaun Hall would think all the double teams on Miles Garrett. Was
0: yeah, yeah. And then Miles Garrett's getting like 16 sacks as a second-year player, and the other guys uh, barely in the league. Yeah, Derek Rivers has has one career sack, so he's doing pretty well.
1: <laughs> um. Well, looking at the free agent market, there's two names that I am looking at. Oh yeah, That's twice as many and sacks as Dajon get...
0: Hall. Sorry to interrupt, but so he's, yeah, we did. We definitely missed that one.
1: Yep, we missed out on that one. Um, yeah, there's two names I'm looking at that I think could be brought in, but I feel like Panthers fans are going to be mad if they do because they're going to get paid more than they, this, this arbitrary market value that we like to argue about. Um, the two guys are Brandon Graham and Derek Morgan. Graham is, you know, what, 30 at this point? And uh, yeah. Morgan hasn't... And Derek Morgan hasn't really been... He was pretty good the last two years for the Titans, but it took him a really long time to even get to that kind of place where you could say, oh, he's productive. So I think that maybe they will go the, go that route and get... Because my, my theory with it is that I don't think Ron Rivera will go into the draft not having some kind of backup plan, it just doesn't doesn't seem to fit his coaching philosophy to be like, okay, we have Mario Addison and we have these two scrubs, we're gonna find our edge rusher in, in the draft. It just doesn't strike me as something that Ron Rivera would do. I would think he'd be more likely to convince Marty Herning to take a chance on the safety or secondary positions than, or even the offensive tackle positions, than to take a chance on the defensive line. So I think those are two guys to watch because they could fill in as at worst two down two down starters for the Panthers. What which would still put them in position to draft the guy. But I think those are two guys to watch in free agency myself.
2: So um the gentleman who helped us with the who helped Brad with the um Matt Khalil uh cap ramifications article.
1: Oh boy, here we go.
2: No, I'm not bringing up Khalil. I'm bringing uh, well. There was an article that he wrote, Jason Fitzgerald from Over the Cap. Uh, He posted (laughs) uh, an article about some potential cuts for edge rusher, and there are some pretty intriguing names. And once again, like when you sign guys who get cut, that doesn't factor into the comp formula. So, um, and and which is
1: the most important thing as Panthers fans is the comp. That's
2: that's that's what I live for. (laughs) That's what I live for. so I would give
1: my firstborn son for a fourth round comp pick, yeah. Comp pick. So
2: <laughs> So yep. Brian, you already mentioned Vinnie Curry. A couple other names that kind of piqued my interest in this list here are Olivier Vernon, um, Andre Branch, who I don't I don't think Branch is very good, but Olivier Vernon, Robert Quinn, and Justin Houston. Uh, he mentioned those Ooh. so like if I'm assuming those three guys will get caught because it does seem like their respective teams take pretty good um I mean they save a ton of money if they cut those guys. So I wouldn't be surprised, especially that Justin Houston, uh they're they they're gonna be uh trying to pay D Ford and I mean, they save fifteen million dollars if they cut Houston and it seems like a no brainer. Yeah,
1: Houston's making a metric crap ton of money if I if I remember correctly. So yeah. that makes sense.
2: Um I mean so yeah, so you got like Houston and Kirk or Quinn, uh I mean they they're certainly like on the wrong age or I mean, they're certainly like pretty old, but if we sign them to like a one or two year contract with like the first year, like you know, pretty you know, highly guaranteed, I think they could be convinced of coming to Carolina. Um, especially Quinn, he he's from North Carolina. Uh, and he went to, well, I don't know, is he from North Carolina? I know he went to school in North Carolina. Um,
0: but sounds like I, I want to say he is,
1: yeah. I mean, he obviously he's Quinn sounds like a North Carolina name. <laughs>
0: He's from South Carolina. Okay. Yeah. See, I, I
2: don't want to spread any fake news here. Um, but he's still only twenty eight years old, which is kind of remarkable because like I remember when he was like in the league defensive event for the uh for the Rams. But yeah, like Olivia Vernon and Robert Quinn would probably be like two guys I would look very closely at um should they be cup of their team.
0: Just to to get what you guys are saying about Justin Houston, his cap hit for twenty nineteen is twenty one point one million dollars, and they'll save holy yeah, shit! Yeah, they'll save fourteen million dollars if they cut them outright. So
2: that seems like a no brainer.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I like the Olivia and, and, Roder- and Robert, Robert Quinn names.
2: Yeah, Olivia Vernon will be in. Yeah, he um he obviously sent that huge deal in two thousand sixteen, and but the only issue with him is he hasn't really been healthy, and um. And uh Jason mentioned this in his article, uh or excuse me, in his list. But he's I think he's still a pretty a capable player. But the only issue with him or the only issue I think is that he's probably gonna command, you know, somewhere north of like ten million dollars per year when he's released. Um uh, but because I mean right now he makes like close to fifteen or sixteen million, uh, which is really high.
0: Yeah. Yeah, his, his salary, i got him up right now, too. His salary, his base salary this 2019 and 2020 is $15 million, and his cap hit is nineteen point five. But he made the Pro Bowl he last did. year, I guess, is what I'm oh, seeing. Wow. Here. I don't know that. So that's, yeah. Well, he's it's it's got a little asterisk to uh, hit 2018 on his Pro Football reference page. It says selected a Pro Bowl. Hmm. So, well, yeah. just like, but, just uh, like, like we Matt, he's up. in the
1: best shape of his life. So, you know. <laughs>
0: But yeah, I, I, we have basically enough money to sign like one or two good players in free agency. I can't imagine we don't sign somebody at defensive end just because like Brian said, there's I, I, I really hope we learned our lesson with just saying like ah, uh, we'll just draft a guy to fill in the rotate to fill out the rotation and go from there because we've tried that with defensive tackle back in 2011, we tried that with cornerback in 2016. And it just doesn't really seem like they also to
2: work. do not have a propensity to trade back and accumulate more picks. I mean, I, I'd be all for it if they actually like traded down from their from like pick 16 and picked up a, a couple more day two picks, but I just don't see them doing that.
1: Well, it's also have we ever really done that? We well, I, I, I mean, I did it last year, but it was it was in the late rounds, it wasn't, in yeah, the, it was a, yeah, the third, was, he like, went
2: from the third to the fourth and he picked up an extra fifth. Which he used that fifth to move back up to pick up Marquez's hand. So eventually, it became a mute point.
1: <laughs> I am. I I know what trade down land looks like. It's a place with lots of Ferris wheels and yeah. Kids I'll eating candy I'll believe them, on their faces.
2: I'll believe that they trade down when they trade down. For right now, I'm just gonna yeah. assume that they're gonna pick at six. I don't. Well, I also don't see them trading up. By the way. I think that
1: no, nah, it doesn't really unless it's for Nick Boza, like if he falls like to the eighth pick, I just don't see any reason to trade up other than that.
2: And the only reason he actually falls is he did something pretty terrible power. off the field or someone's, you know, uh, submit some type of video similar to what uh, Larry Tunsil
0: went through. <laughs> Maybe we need to yep. get to work on that.
1: So let's get on that. Let's get on that, guys.
2: It's crazy. Like, there were, remember the people who were trying to disparage Lael Collins? Yeah. Like, about how he, like, was involved in a murder, and he, like, went undrafted? Mm-hmm. That was crazy to me. Because, like, he was a target I had for the Panthers, like,
0: you know. in the First round, second right? Second or
2: round. third round. Yeah, something like that. Because they were picking pretty high that year, like the 20s. So, I, I considered him up to be a target, but then. Anyway. Obviously, that
0: was like a year after. Well, it was
2: funny the Hardy stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. Like,
0: but he wasn't even like ever a suspect either. It was just like, oh, he's a person of interest because he like knew the person, like the victim. And it was like, oh,
2: yeah, it was so not have
0: we can't have this guy on our team who know, knows murder victims. Can't have those character concerns in this locker room.
1: Meanwhile, <clears throat> meanwhile, the Panthers draft a guy like Bo Sandland in the seventh round instead of a guy who might have character concerns, like Collins. You know. Classic Panthers, right there. You know who Bo Sandlin last played for?
2: Packers, right?
0: Was it? I could have sworn. Maybe I know. I know Scott Simonson. I could have sworn I saw he got picked up by. uh... Oh no, never mind. Oh, he went to the Cardinals. Oh God. So Steve Wilks. No, um, Steve Wilks. Simonson
2: is with the Giants, I think.
0: Yeah, Simonson. I was thinking of Simonson, (laughs) where Dave Gettleman brought in one of his old pet projects.
1: One of his old guys Dude. on speed dial. Yep. Who are some potential cuts that you see? for the I think Captain Munderland's not going to make it.
2: Yeah, I think I, I was projecting Munderland, Torrey Smith, and maybe Dontari Poe.
0: <laughs> Brian, the way you phrased that was, was very funny. Why? I don't, I don't think Captain's going to make it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it does feel like <laughs> Captain is like in an emergency room right now while we'll trying just finish surgery. <laughs> <their dream.
0: laughs> I, I don't know, man. He's he's on the edge. I don't know. He's gonna do it. I He's gonna be able to pull it out. Pull out of it. Um. <laughs> nope. Let's see. We save what? Two million by by cutting Captain. No, you save uh three million. You know,
2: no, you save
0: yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Uh, I'm looking through our spot track right now. I, mean,
1: Smith, I, think Smith- I know with Tory Smith, we'll save $5 million if we cut him, because I've been being told that for the last <laughs> year and a half by Panthers fans.
0: <laughs> Since the day we traded for yep. him, it, you, you, we've been told that we can save $5 million by cutting him. Dude,
2: Carolina, got a- Shaq Thompson? I feel like they're going to save him. And I feel like they're gonna lower that cap number this
0: year. They're gonna what you cut out a little bit. You're
1: you're a bit muffled, Billy. Okay, can you hear me?
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I, I was um
1: what
2: I was saying is I think they might actually extend him, and that way they can lower their cap number this year because if you look at their future like, cap room in 2020 2021, it's like right now for 2020 they're projected to have, sixty five million dollars in the cap, and 2021 it's like. 109 million. So, like, from my perspective, I just think it makes a lot more fiscal sense to uh, potentially like re-sign or, excuse me, extend Shaq Thompson while also um, lowering that cap number for 2019. Obviously, like, I get it. Like, he hasn't played up to me well. There's questions about whether he's played up to his draft I think he's been fine. But with same with uh, Davis gone now, I think that you probably want to have Thompson on your team. And I don't expect him to man a lot of money. Probably like, I don't know, maybe an average per year of seven, $8 million.
0: Yeah. Even if he's a good player, he hasn't, he doesn't have anything he can point to and say, this is why I've earned more money than that. I mean, he was, he was, he was not
1: playing. He was not playing over a guy who's like 66 years old. So yeah
0: yeah he just didn't have any leverage and like and I'm on the I don't want I think I'm one of those people not that uh Shaq Thompson's been bad I know I think there's an issue where it's kind of hard to separate Shaq Thompson's abilities and effectiveness as a player from you know how little value we got of him as a first round pick just because we picked a position like the deep we picked a player that was playing at this, the deepest position on the team and he just has had limited opportunities thus far so I think it's hard yeah. to separate the whole, like production from ability type thing to this point. It's not his fault that he shouldn't have been. I picked think past. though
1: what I think what Billy brought up was actually a good point though because James Bradbury is on the docket too. For an extension, they're gonna have to re-sign him next year unless they uh, decide to let him go, which I think would be a poor choice.
2: That would be a mistake. Probably. yes. <laughs>
1: well, the thing like, the thing with Bradbury I,
2: is that he only has a $990,000 cap hit for 2000. Well, actually, no, excuse me. It's a $1.26 cap hit for 2019. Um, I think you can work on an extension after free agency in the draft. Uh, That way, you don't tie up your cap room in the beginning uh, of free agency. Uh, I think that just makes a lot more sense. Um, But yeah, I mean, right now, like. (laughs) I'm curious what you guys think. Here are the guys like I would potentially cut if I were the Panthers, and I would save about let's see, um, I mean a decent amount of money. So like, Denores Circe, Jerris Wright, Ross Cockrell, Captain Munerlin, Tori Smith, and Dantari Poe, which is still open for interpretation. I just you save at least two million dollars with Poe, even though the dead cap is around six million, but.
1: The only name I will, said, I will stand on there is uh, Jarius Wright, only because yeah, that was the one I
2: really didn't. I just threw it in there just to throw it in there, but
1: yeah, he's, for the sake he's of this been, argument, I will keep him. He's been the best thing since Jericho Cottry, but I think there's an argument to be made to be cut to cut literally everybody else on your list. I mean, Searcy hasn't done shit since he came to Carolina, and that's not entirely his fault, because he's been injured, but at the same time, it's a business. Um, it's also
0: kind of his fault, because he can't tackle right, and that's why he's getting concussions. So, <laughs> yeah. there's there he has some of the blame there. Because yeah. Both of the concussions I remember him getting this year, he it was because he just torpedoed into another guy's heads.
1: Ross Cockrell is, and Billy, you and I, I know you looked over the uh, cornerback little almanac I bought to begin last season, and yeah, I actually like, like Cockrell.
2: Perfect,
1: yeah, he's like a perfect fit for what Ron Rivera wants to do. He's a perfect off corner zone guy. I think he would be an awesome fit for Carolina. I think he'd be perfect this year if they don't address the cornerback position, let Dante Jackson kick inside or nickel on those uh, three cornerback situations. But at the same time, I mean, if you think that maybe uh, Elder is the guy you or want, the- with
2: nickel. They've been talking up that whole Luke guy every preseason. but
1: Well, they talk up guys like that all the time. I mean,
2: Lorenzo Doss
1: and those kind of. Yeah, <laughs> get you. Lorenzo Doss, the uh, the all pro as far as CSR goes. But I think Ross well, Conkroy's worth yeah. holding on to, but I don't know if he's not expendable, I guess is the best way to put it. Like well, he's a perfect well, fit for of, this
2: system. Let me see. I got you.
1: Yeah, he's a perfect fit for this system, but at the same time, there's a lot of corners out there who can play pretty much exclusively zone and be and be okay as well. So, because that's why he didn't make it with the Steelers, and that's why he didn't make it with the Giants. He just could only really play zone. So, anyway, John, what were you saying?
2: I mean the the I mean the only reason I say that is because, um. I don't know when he'll be able to return from his injury. I mean, because he had surgery in like August. And really? Was that ha- late? I thought it
1: was earlier than that. Well, remember no, it
2: happened
0: July 30th was when he got hurt.
2: Yeah, he I remember because the I was actually in I was in Europe when the news broke that he suffered a uh, he, he fractured his tibia uh and his fibula. Um well, I mean, which is unfortunate. I mean, I get it, uh, but I don't know. I just feel like it's a question about whether he can you know, come back to full strength. But I think we're both in agreement that Captain and Torrey Smith are probably two guys who are definitely on the outs.
0: Especially with how little we used Torrey Smith at the end of the year. Wasn't he injured? Like he once, yeah, but he came back and didn't hardly play. Yeah, he hardly played. played, yeah. Because yeah, he, he came that's, back, I, I want to say with like four or five games left, like plenty of season left, and we're just like, "Nah, we're good with DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel and Jairus Wright." So
1: Curtis Samuel, that's that's when we got to talk about before we end this podcast.
0: Speaking of guys, we can keeping it, speaking of guys, we can cut and save money. All right,
1: <laughs> Curtis Samuel, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jesus, yes, <laughs> it's so funny how my. Curtis Samuel is, and I know Billy Billy and I talked, we, we messaged a little bit about it. Um, and I'm not lumping you into this, Billy, but like, there are people where I say Curtis Samuel is fine, and they're like, why do you hate Curtis Samuel so much? Like, I didn't say he was bad. I said he was bad as a well, rookie. I think,
2: man. yeah, I mean, he, he certainly wasn't good as a rookie. I don't think anyone would uh, deny that. And, people denied that. Uh, a lot of
0: people denied that.
1: They absolutely <laughs> well, did. Yep.
2: Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. I just think that I don't think he's injury prone. I think that the injury or he, did he even suffer an injury? Like, I think he had like a heart, like a heart problem,
1: a minor heart. Problem. No, yeah.
0: there is. Well, he, he had a ham. He was on the injury report with a hamstring injury for a couple weeks near the end of the year. And he missed some of camp before the heart murmur with a hamstring or back or something. And last year, he had a couple injuries. So he's had, like, a various different ailments, and he's had a couple different hamstring problems in the two years he's been here.
2: Yeah, I mean, so. um, yeah, I guess it's tough because uh, with receivers, uh, they play, like, a, such a technical um, game, and it, it's difficult to, you know, kind of be – I mean, the guys that you see that you barely ever get hurt, like a Larry Fitzgerald or – I mean, those bigger type of receivers, I mean, even Funchess, he's dealt with his fair share of injuries throughout his career. I just think that, um, there you know, for the position that he plays, there's kind of a lot of, you know, quick movement to the line of scrimmage and he has to be on uh, kind of making decisive shifts and cuts. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm obviously, I don't, I think he showed enough last year that, you know, he could be a potential like long term X if he shows it this year, too. Uh, I just I'm a little hesitant to call him injury prone right now. If he shows if he does have the same type of injuries next year, I might be on board with that. I'm just uh I'm just not there
0: yet.
1: Well, you have to remember, John, John hates yeah, see, Curtis that? Samuel with every fiber of his being. So you have to remember <laughs> that when you make these
0: every single one of those fibers. But it's just, it's so funny because like, like, I don't, I think he's been, in, you know, if you're looking at it from so far, I don't think it's, I think it's too early to say like definitely for his career, he's injury prone, but like so far he's been injury point prone up to this point. um And it's too early to say if that's just bad luck or if that's a, you know, just one of these, just one of those people who just has, you know, his body just doesn't hold mm-hmm. up. And I still, and I agree that he does have potential to be a good contributor because he's been very good on his the deep balls and stuff um which i said when i wrote about like what he's done to this point like he's i've been very impressed with his ability to kind of almost be like tyler lockety tyler Lockett, like in in respect where he's not very big but he's he's very good at tracking the ball deep and winning the deep ball um so he definitely has use there i've been and so like, i don't think he's been bad i just don't think he's been as it's just it's weird i just think it's a weird uh well, I don't think me... the the hype he gets his match. What he's done so far,
2: okay. Then. I, I I guess I'm I'm not understanding who is like hyping him. Like, like who are these people?
0: <laughs> some there's some people on Twitter and a lot of people in comment sections. that I mean, are... your buddy, well,
1: yeah, I, your I buddy, your buddy, Marxist yeah, Panthers, he... says he's the best receiver yeah. on the Panthers team.
2: Well, I don't think that's too hot of a take right now. Uh, I think that more. It's still kind of learning a lot of things.
1: I didn't mean to be an asshole. I was just just pointing that out. Yeah,
2: Yeah. no, no, no. no. I think that he goes a little too far when he says that, like, Samuel reminds him of Stefan Diggs. Um, That's, like, I I do agree that Samuel's release and does – is very similar to Stefan Diggs. I just think that Diggs does a lot more um, as a receiver that – doesn't really get noticed by him, um, but like, uh, let me let me just. Wow, I'm actually looking it now. That 2017 wide receiver class is actually quite impressive. Um, the
0: what? The which? The, the uh,
2: 2017 wide receiver class.
0: Oh, the one that yeah.
2: Uh, I mean, obviously Samuel was um, you know a pretty high second round pick, but the other guy who got drafted in the first top ten, John Ross, he's been really disappointing wow yeah um but but yeah anyway so like i think a couple things here when the when you mentioned like the production um i think that's fair but i also think that a lot of that had to do with ron Vera like or someone whatever coach like holding him back for whatever reason i don't think they played him as face off because like there was a there was one point I think after the Giants or Eagles game where he had like six touchdowns on like 20 touches, which yeah. was like, everyone excited that.
1: At one point, uh, Samuel was pacing a touchdown every four touches.
2: Yeah. So I don't know. Like, I just feel like he obviously didn't see like the amount of reps that he probably should be seeing for good reason, I guess, if he was coming off an injury. Um, And, and then you obviously saw him start to put it all together you know, later in the year, like that touchdown he had against Detroit, like that was so good. Like the way he was able
0: to release and just get upfield.
1: Oh, I love that play. I love (laughs) that play.
0: I hate it. I hated it. It was the worst thing I'd ever seen.
1: (laughs) I, that, that Detroit game was like one of the biggest optimism type games for me because I saw DJ Moore basically just juke. Darius Slay out of his fucking cleats with his hip turn on that one touchdown pass in the end zone and Curtis Samuel just beat a guy right off the right off the line of scrimmage and caught a pass and I was like damn these two guys could be really good if they can be consistent like that so and yeah, that's I see where thing you're coming too. from
2: and if you remember like Gettleman you know his drafted he drafted Funches and um, and Benjamin which never made much sense to me and I don't know do you guys know Mike Lombardi He's on Twitter. Uh, he has his podcast yeah. with the Ringer too. Um, like one of the things that he preaches, and I guess because he worked with Belichick, it's probably something that he kind of taught him. And he worked with—I think he actually cited it from Al Davis. It's like he said that your receiver, that your wide receiver core, should be like a starting five in basketball. So you should have guys who do different things. And and with Samuel, I think that he brings an element of like vertical. Uh, separation and opening up the field. And with more, he's more of like a short to intermediate guy where he can pick up yards after catch. Um, I think fun to this last year was a guy that he was almost like, like their center. He would, you know, do like the short in breaking rounds, but he would also kind of be relied upon in the red zone too. And by all indications, it seems like they're going to, um, they're not going to re-sign him, so they have to find that guy next year. And then a guy like Jarius Wright is probably like your reliable, like shooting guard or small forward guy who can kind of act like as a utility guy and just gets open when you need him in you know a certain moments. He doesn't really complain too much about his snaps or <laughs> anything.
1: So Billy, you brought you actually segued into the perfect part of the last point I wanted to bring up before we end this podcast, which is Devin Funches. So obviously, he's out of here. Yeah, he's definitely out of here at this point. doesn't really seem like they have any reason to bring him back. Otherwise, he probably would have played more snaps at the end of the year. So my question is, do we think the wide receiver core is OK the way it is? Or do we think Carolina is going to try and find a, you know, replacement for Funches? Billy, you can go ahead and start us off with that.
2: I mean, I would I actually I, I might be in the minority. I would not be opposed to them bringing Funches back. I think we should. Uh, I just, I mean, the wide receiver core, the crop of free agent talent does not really seem filling. Um, but if they, I mean, if they wanted to find a guy in the draft, like in the third or fourth round, I would be okay with that—a guy who's, who's similar to Funches, as far as like a big body guy you can kind of separate and run uh, a, a diverse route tree. I'd be cool with that. But I mean, by all indications, I would like after he was. Um, you know, placed, I mean, i didn't, he didn't even suit him up for week 17. I just think he's pretty much out the door.
1: Yeah, it doesn't seem like they have any, it, there hasn't been really any indication they're going to bring him back. I mean, there hasn't been any articles from the Charlotte Observer talking about negotiations. I mean, really all we've heard is that Funches wants to be back, dot, 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 and that's it. <laughs> so, I think Carolina needs to have that kind of like vertical uh, guy who can win in one on one mismatches. But at the same time, if they think that Greg Olsen or even Tom or even Ian Thomas is that guy, I mean, maybe they invest that capital somewhere else. I think that Munches would be very productive if they bring him back. I mean, in 2017, he played in a way way worse receiving core and was productive i think maybe he just had a bad year maybe he had a couple steps back but at the same time you would expect a guy like Funches after 2017 to take a step forward and he just reverted back to what we saw in his first two years so it's a really tough question to ask as to whether they should actually bring Funches back or you know find his replacement but I think Carolina needs that dimension to their offense, and if they're comfortable with Greg Olson or Thomas, they're fine. If not, I think they do need to try and pursue that, at least for Cam Newton, because he needs a guy like that.
0: I think I wouldn't like. I think they they should do something. I'm sure they'll try to target some sort of bigger wide receiver, whether that be bringing Funchess back or. <laughs> like Billy said, somewhere later, like in the middle, late part of the draft, or if they're, I don't even know who the free agents are, just some low-level free agent. But I think the the core of Wright, Moore, and Samuel isn't, I mean, it's not great by any means, but it's probably better than we've had for a lot of the last few years. I know it misses that, like, tall, like, vertical spacing, and, like the vertical target in terms of vertical, like, height-wise, but all three of them have their different ways like billy was saying of like complimenting each other and different ways of getting open in different parts of the field and stuff so i i it's not flashy or you know big name by any means but i think it would work well enough especially if cam's arm is strong enough to utilize samuel's deep threat
1: i mean we saw cam newton put up the best quarterback numbers he's ever had Philly Brown and Ted Ginn essentially taking the lion's share of the snaps. So I agree. Yeah. And I think this receiver core is better than that group. I mean, Ted Ginn had the dimension of being a really hard to cover deep threat, but other than that, I mean, like skill set wise, these guys are the same, if not way mm-hmm. better than a lot of the things he had there. So really, the 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 X factor there then is a guy like Greg Olson, like a security blanket, and I think Jerry's Wright can be that guy. If, sh- if Newton's shoulder is healthy. But, again, Cam's been very productive when he's had a guy who can he can kind of throw the ball up to in the end zone and let the guy make a play, and I don't know if they have anybody like that aside from Greg Olson right now.
0: Yeah, but like I said, like DJ Moore is better after the catch. Well, McCaffrey, too. Better after the catch than anybody we've ever had oh. in Carolina. With Cam
1: I would even argue Curtis Samuel too, despite your <laughs> well, <broader laughs> hatred for he him. He not yeah. He
0: could, and he's been very good. Like as a ball carrier, it's just for some reason he hasn't been able to translate that <clears throat> to uh, the same plays where he catches passes. Um, but
2: he did that that, that touchdown against the Giants.
0: Which one was that? The uh, That was a rush, though.
2: No, it was a screen. Oh actually
1: uh, yeah, Jay, right John,
2: yeah. I saw I, it so, to you I think, uh,
0: I I think it, you might have and I think I watched it and I forgot about it
1: it was the one where he broke like four tackles getting in the end zone
2: yeah that one that. yeah more yeah it was like they, they faked the screen one more, way. To more of that would be good
0: yeah. um but yeah and then he's better than Ted Ginn is in terms of his hands especially on deep passes um so like there's like you said, if we if we were good with with that receiving core cam can be good with D.J. Moore and Curtis Samuel and Jairus Wright because Jairus Wright's basically Curtis Sa- or is basically the same as Jairus Cokotri. Curtis Samuel's a better Ted Ginn and D.J. Moore's Philly Brown, way better than Philly Brown. Philly uh, catch the ball or fall down every time I catch it, Brown.
1: I dare say he's basically like, you know, a mini Steve Smith at this point in his career. D.J. Moore? Yeah.
0: After the catch, for sure.
1: Yeah, that that man is is bad, running people over and shit. Great, I love it. I love watching DJ Moore play for that reason. Just watching him plow through a safety like we haven't seen that <laughs> since Steve Smith. I love it. I, I fucking love it.
0: I watched that play again, Billy. I forgot about that play where Curtis Samuel uh, broke eighteen tackles for his first career touchdown. More of that would be nice.
1: He said, yeah. "More." Uh, I, I, here, here's a here's a conundrum
2: though wouldn't you rather have those routes go to DJ Moore? Yes. Yeah. And then you probably want Samuel to continue to run like, you know, those in breaking routes at 15 to 20 yard depth, while also I guess contributing in some areas with, you know, screen passes and slant routes, whatever. But I just feel like um, I think you can really diversify the route tree of each player. Uh, if you just played to their strengths, in my opinion. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: Honestly, though, like, I think that having two guys that similar, like, they catch the ball, they could score type skill set is good. And I don't think you really need to relegate one guy to being one no, type of route runner or one guy being to w- another type of route runner. Like, that makes defensive coordinators scared because you have two guys where on any given play, they could run the ball or they could catch the ball and they could beat your defense and score. Like I think is a really good place right now as far as like guys who can punch it in on any given play. What I worry about is those guys who can move the chains. I think Jarius Wright is good for that, but I feel like they need to have another big-body guy who can win on those one-on-one, I'm throwing this ball up and you're going to catch it type plays. And that's why I am worried about not having punches around. But I think, as you said, they could find a guy like that in the draft. Maybe Ian Thomas, or maybe even even him. Yes, correct. Or Greg Olson, if his <laughs> if his two feet are not, you know, like <laughs> Greg you know, Olson, if he has his,
0: both feet, yeah,
1: yeah, if he's not walking on gravel <laughs> internally. So, all right. Well, do we have uh, anything else we want to cover on this podcast? I Me, mean, I know we had a lot to cover not going to the draft and afterwards so
0: we were, we've we've made it to like an hour it's, it's plenty long enough people don't need to hear more of us yet even leave them wanting more
1: yep they always got to be yearning for more of us uh billy do you have anything else you want to bring up or anything else you want to talk about before we uh sign off tonight
2: yeah just i mean if you, if anyone is really interested in following the draft i know it's going to pick up uh these next few weeks uh the uh, the combine is next week. Uh, I believe the drills start uh, that Friday, uh, so I I think uh, ABC is showing it this year along with uh If anyone wants to keep track of some of their favorite prospects, be sure to check that out because um, you know it's probably one of my favorite events as <laughs> the NFL cycle heats up. Here,
1: gotta love how that three combine drives a guy up the draft boards.
0: And you really, what better do you have to watch at 11 o'clock
1: in the morning on a Thursday? True. Very true. (laughs) Well, anyway, from all of us here at the Keep Sounding Podcast, we will be breaking down a hell of a lot more with uh, Billy. Thanks again, Billy, for joining us. And he will be around for the draft and even hopefully after that. So we will be breaking down the draft, free agency everything panthers related here probably at least once a week for the next few weeks or the next few months so join us as always and keep supporting the podcast this is brian joined by john and billy and hopefully brad next week you guys have a great week and we will talk to you next week
0: see you see ya. keeps the football
1: takes off to the end zone for the touchdown
0: he takes the handoff and he scores Avoided
2: the Dolphins behind the line of scrimmage and took it in for the first touchdown. Milton Keeps lowers his shoulder and takes it in for the touchdown. On second and
0: goal, the shuttle pass for
1: Caffrey. Touchdown. And off dive for Jonathan Stewart and he's in for a touchdown. That's intercepted by Keating. He has more of those than any linebacker in the league over the last five years. Carolina gets a road win in New England.